Well, a few years back, my wife and I decided we were going to do something special for our anniversary. We were going to go out to a fancy dinner, and so we went to a restaurant that had been recommended to us by a a number of people, uh, downtown Minneapolis, a restaurant named Fogo de Chao, and uh, it is a well-known steakhouse, basically, and uh, it's a very unique steakhouse. It's a Brazilian steakhouse, and uh, they're known for their waiters who walk around table the table with these large skewers of meat and they will literally just shave off meat right there at your table uh, basically all night long as long as you as long as you want to sit and eat they'll just keep coming by shaving off meat well we had been told about this place and I was really excited to try it out obviously right I mean who doesn't like you know non-stop meat and so uh, I was excited to go check out Fogo de Chao and so uh, we went there uh, one weekend for our anniversary a special night out and you know I had never been there before so I wasn't really sure what to expect other than what I had heard from friends who had gone before and uh, when you go to Fogo the first thing that you discover is they have right front and center right in the center of the dining room this massive uh, salad buffet I mean, it is just huge, and it's loaded with incredible fresh fruits and vegetables and all kinds of salads and all kinds of breads. And so they seat you at your table, and then they invite you to go and and enjoy yourself at the salad bar. And so you go to this salad bar, and of course, they got these massive plates there at the salad bar, and you load up there at the salad bar and all these, you know, yummy-looking salads and breads. And, and, you know, you come back to your table, you got this massive plate of salad. Well, so we're sitting there, and we're eating eating our salad and and I'm starting to get full you know like I'm I mean it was all good but I'm starting to get full after eating you know, all this salad bar stuff for the last half hour or so well then all of a sudden the waiters start coming by and the waiters start coming by and they got these massive skewers full of meat and I'm like super excited for the meat but the thing is, is I've already filled up on all the salad So I'm starting to figure out the gimmick here, right? I mean, they want you to load up on the salad because they're saving money, you know, by by, uh, getting you filled up before they get to the good stuff. Well, I learned my lesson. So we went back to Fogo a couple years later. And a couple years ago, we, we had a pastor's date night. It was myself and my wife. It was Pastor Steve and his wife, Catherine. And Pastor Justin and his wife, Crystal, we decided, hey, we're all going to go out a special night out, uh, Fogo de Chao. So we all went downtown together, and I told the guys walking in, I said, guys, here's the deal. Don't load up on the salad bar. Trust me, because here's what's going to happen. They're going to come by about a half hour into our meal, and they're just going to start, you know, you know, lavishing meat on us, right? And you don't want to fill up on the salad. So I had warned Pastor Stephen and Pastor Justin. Well, we did that. We ate the salad bar in moderation. And sure enough, pretty soon they start coming by big skewers of meat, chicken and pork and sausages. I mean, all kinds of great meats. And we're filling up on all these meats. Well, about a half hour after filling up on all these meats, all of a sudden, they start bringing out the sirloin and the New York strip and the filet mignon. And I'm thinking, oh, you got to be kidding me. I fell for it again. <laughs> they save all the best stuff to the end of the dinner, right? So now I know next time I go to Fogo de Chao, I'm just going to tell the waiter, forget your salad bar, forget all the chicken and pork and sausage, just bring the filet. I just want the filet mignon, all right? I learned my lesson. Now, 
it's a funny story, funny experience, but I was thinking about this week because when we study God's prophetic word, his promises for the end times, one of the things that we discover is just like at Fogo de Chao, the best is yet to come. It's the same thing when it comes to God's prophetic word. The best, friends, the best is yet to come. We've seen a lot of incredible things over the last eight weeks together looking at God's promises for the future. But out of all of his incredible promises, the best, the best is last. The best is yet to come. God has promised us that he is going to create a new heaven and a new earth where we are going to live with him for all of eternity. And this has been... God's greatest promise that his people have looked forward to now for 2,000 years since God first gave this prophetic vision of the end times to the Apostle John. We are going to spend eternity in paradise, a new heaven, a new earth, with our Creator, with our Lord and Savior forevermore. Friends, make no mistake about it, the best is yet to come. And we're going to look at this reality this morning, the new heaven and the new earth. Today we're going to be in Revelations chapter 21 and 22. We're not going to read both of those chapters in totality, but I want to read a portion of those chapters, and then we're going to highlight different segments from those passages so that we can get a glimpse of what God has promised us in the end times when he creates this new heaven and this new earth. Just a quick review of where we've been over the last seven weeks leading up to this morning. We've talked about the reality today as God's people, we are living in the church age, this period of time between Jesus's time on earth, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and the day when Jesus is going to come again, our blessed hope, the rapture, when Jesus is going to come for his church and he's going to snatch us up out of this world. He's going to take his people out of this world prior to the seven-year period of tribulation when the Antichrist is going to rule and reign over planet Earth for seven years. And again, we looked in detail at all of God's prophetic promises in Scripture, Old and New Testament, about these events. They are real events. They're going to take place. The church is going to be raptured out of this world. When we are taken out of this world during that period of tribulation, we will stand before the Bema judgment seat of Christ. That's not a judgment about salvation. That's a judgment of rewards for the things that we did on the Lord's behalf with the time and talents and treasures and opportunities that he gave us in this world. He's going to reward us for those things. And then we're going to experience the marriage supper of the Lamb, this great celebration where Jesus is going to be united to his church for all of eternity. And remember, that's not just going to be the church present who's there, but the dead in Christ are going to rise at the rapture as well. And we're going to be reunited with our loved ones who have passed away and gone to glory before us. So they're going to be resurrected. The church is going to be raptured. We're going to be in God's presence during that seven-year period while the earth is going through this calamitous period known as the tribulation. God's going to pour out three series of judgments upon this world as a result of their sin and their evil and their wickedness. 
We talked about at the end of the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to come against Jerusalem. They're going to gather the armies of the world in the valley of Armageddon. Jesus is going to return from heaven riding on a white horse, followed by the armies of heaven. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives just to the east of Jerusalem, and he's going to stand there on the Mount of Olives, and in a word, he's going to strike down the armies of the Antichrist. And he's going to throw the Antichrist into the lake of fire. And he's going to throw the Antichrist false prophet into the lake of fire. And he's going to bind Satan in the pit for a thousand years. And during that thousand years, the millennial reign of Jesus, he is going to rule and reign over this earth in an Eden-like paradise for a thousand years. It's going to be incredible. And at the end of that thousand-year period, Satan is going to be released. He's going to once again deceive the nations and again, Jesus is going to speak a word and defeat the armies of Satan. And Satan himself is going to be thrown into the lake of fire forevermore. And then last week, we talked about the next event that takes place then is the great white throne judgment. We talked about how there's going to be three judgments. Heaven and earth are going to be judged and pass away. We talked about the reality that the dead, the unsaved dead throughout all of history are going to stand before that great white throne and they're going to be judged. Jesus is going to open the book of life and if their names are not found written in the book of life, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire forever. And so the earth and the heavens are going to be judged. The dead are going to be judged. And then lastly, we saw death itself will be judged. As the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death will once and for all time be defeated. And then that leads us to where we are today. The best is yet to come. Today we get the filet mignon, baby. Bring it on. As God has promised us the reality of a new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth. Let's take a look together. If you have your Bibles, open them to Revelation chapter 21. We're going to start looking at Revelation 21, 1 through 8 this morning where Jesus makes us some incredible promises here. Let's take a look at this passage together. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Remember, they were judged last week at the great white throne judgment. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne, remember who was that seated on the throne last week? It's Jesus, right? Jesus, the judge, our Lord and Savior. He who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. 
But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Here in these first eight verses of Revelation chapter 21, Jesus basically gives us an outline of his ongoing description in Revelation 21 and 22 of this new heaven and new earth. Jesus says, behold, I am making all things new. Friends, isn't that an incredible thought? Jesus says, I am making all things new. He's going to make all things new. What is he going to make new? All things. This is a smart kid down here. And what's included in these all things? The all things new. Jesus tells us here four things. Four things in verses 1 through 8 that he's going to be making new that we're going to experience in eternity. He says, number one, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 1 begins, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Jesus is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. The word new here, friends, the word new here is an important word to understand. The word in the Greek is kainos, and it means something that's newly made or fresh, something that's previously unknown or unheard of. Okay, This is a completely new thing. There, there's another word for new in the Greek that John could have used, it, neos, Neos is also the word for new in Greek, but neos is kind of a new in a chronological sense. Neos is the word that you would use, for example, if, if you got a haircut and you walked into your friend's house and your friend saw your new haircut and they said, wow, it's like a whole new you, right? That's neos. That's, that's not like really a new you. It's just you're new chronologically, sequentially. Something's different about you, right? But John doesn't use neos here, okay? He's not talking about like a remodel, he uses the word kainos, which refers to something that's completely new, totally unheard of, something that's completely brand new, made fresh from scratch, never been seen before. John says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So again, friends, this isn't just going to be a refresh of this current earth and the current heavens. No, John says it's going to be a completely new kind of heaven and earth, completely different from what we know today. God says here that he's going to create first a new heaven. He's going to create a new heaven. The word heaven in the Greek is Uranos. It's where we get our English word Uranus from. The planet Uranus, where does that name come from? It comes from the Greek word Uranos. And Uranos, heaven, refers to the earth, the sky, the heavens. Now in the Bible, we know biblically that God's people understood that there were three different levels to heaven. There were three heavens that the Bible speaks about. How do we know this? Well, there's a number of passages. Probably the primary is 2 Corinthians 12, 2, where the Apostle Paul recounts his experience being snatched up, being raptured up, if you will, caught up into the third heaven. He says, I went to the third heaven. And he describes his experience. He, he actually says it was indescribable. But he says, I was caught up to the third heaven. What is the third heaven? Well, the third heaven is the spiritual heaven. It's the dwelling place of God. And God brought Paul there and gave him a vision of his dwelling place. 
The first heaven is the atmosphere above us. It's the sky. It's, it's the air the birds fly through. The second heaven is the galaxies and the universe. It's the stars, the sun, the moon. And then you have the third heaven, which is the spiritual heaven. But friends, understand, God tells us here that he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And in the new heaven that God creates, there's not going to be a spiritual heaven. There's only going to be two heavens in the new heavens. Okay, there's going to be the air above us and there's going to be the universe. There's not going to be a spiritual heaven. Why? We know because verse 3 tells us that the dwelling place of God is now with man. God is going to dwell amongst us. We're going to look at that more here in a moment. But there's not going to be a spiritual heaven anymore because God is going to dwell amongst us in the new heaven and the new earth. So there's not going to be a new heaven, friends, a new spiritual heaven. But there will be a new universe. There's going to be a new universe. Think about that. A whole new universe. Now, friends, I want you to imagine this with me this morning astronomers tell us that that our galaxy, the Milky Way, astronomers tell us, by the way, in this picture you see on the screen, where are we, planet Earth? We're in, we can't even see us. We're a little dot down in the bottom left-hand corner of that screen on the outer tier of that last ring that you see there. That's where Earth is. Sun, our sun is like a tiny little white dot on that picture. And astronomers tell us that this is just our galaxy, the Milky Way. Astronomers tell us that our galaxy is over 880 quadrillion miles across. 880 quadrillion. That's 880 with 15 zeros after it. That's how wide and long and far our galaxy is. It contains over 100,000 million stars. I don't even know what that number means. It's crazy, 100,000 million stars. We have stars in our galaxy that are 200 million miles in diameter. A single star, 200 million miles in diameter. I mean, it's, it's not even fathomable. It's just incredible to think about this. And there are millions more galaxies beyond our galaxy. This is just the Milky Way I'm talking about. Now, friends, this is absolutely astonishing. And guess what? As awesome as all that is to think about this morning... The reality is God says it's all going to be burned up. It's all going to be burned up and dissolved. We, we saw that last week. 2 Peter 3 verse 10 tells us that God is going to consume the whole earth and the heavens. He's going to consume it all in his righteous holy fire. It's going to be burned up and dissolved. And God is going to create a completely new heaven. Imagine that. A whole new universe. New kinds of planets, new kinds of stars, new galaxies, all vastly more incredible than anything that we know of today. That's awesome. God's going to create a new heaven. And we also read here in Revelation 21 that there's going to be a new earth. God's going to create a new earth. What's the new earth going to be like? 
Friends, the new earth is going to be a real physical place. We know that. We can be confident. There's going to be a new physical, literal, real earth. How do we know that? Well, the word that is used here for earth that John describes is the Greek word yay. Okay, G-E. It's pronounced yay. And yay refers to solid ground, to dirt, to, to firmament. Okay, so, so the new earth is going to be a real solid planet, a real place. The word yay, by the way, this is where we get our English word geology from. Geology, what is geology? It's the study of yay, a firmament of earth, of ground, of dirt. And so John tells us there's going to be a new earth. It's going to be a real, tangible, physical place. But John's vision only gives us really one other description of what this new earth is going to be like. In verse 1, John tells us that this new earth, he says there's not going to be any sea. There's not going to be any sea on this new earth. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, well, Pastor Jason, I love the ocean. I mean, how can, how can I enjoy eternity if there's not going to be any sea? My, my wife's down working with the kids right now. When she gets here second hour, she's going to freak out when she hears there's no sea. I mean, she loves the ocean. Her favorite place in the world is Maui. I mean, like she's going to be like eternity with no sea? Friends, John tells us the new earth's not going to have any sea. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't going to be bodies of water, other kinds of waters on the new earth, but there's not going to be any sea. Now, before you get too worked up about not having any ocean in eternity, remember, God is going to create a whole new universe. What are we going to be doing for all of eternity, friends? Well, we're going to be worshiping God, dwelling in his presence, but we're going to be doing that in a new heaven, new universe, new galaxies, new planets, and a new earth. And I can imagine that much of our eternity is going to be spent exploring these endless new worlds that God has created throughout the new heaven, the new universe that he's creating. People sometimes say, well, Jason, I mean, isn't eternity going to be boring? Are you kidding me? It's going to be anything but boring. You're going to spend 100 years exploring the new earth that God creates. And then after that, you're going to teleport yourself to a whole new galaxy and explore a whole new planet that God creates. And a 1,000 years later, you're going to go explore a whole new world that God creates, and it's going to be teeming with an incredible ocean that you can't even imagine. Endless galaxies, endless worlds to explore for all of eternity. Friends, <laughs> eternity is going to be anything but boring. God says, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. Second thing Jesus tells us, he tells us, behold, I'm making all things new. What else is he making new? I'm making a new Jerusalem. A new Jerusalem. Look at verse 2. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. John sees the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned. For her husband. I'll never forget when Kim and I got married on our wedding day, seeing my wife dressed up as a bride for the very first time. I, I remember our photographer, we did our wedding pictures before the ceremony began, and we were down at uh, Nazareth Chapel at the University of Northwestern. 
and we were taking pictures outside in the colonnade with these large columns and pillars, and it's just a really beautiful setting, and the photographer had me go down to the end of the hallway and turn my back on the door where Kim was going to come out, and I'm just sitting there waiting for, for my bride to show up, right? And they were going to ca- capture this on, on film. And so I'm sitting there waiting, and all of a sudden I feel a tap on my shoulder. And I turn around, and there is my bride, my wife, Kim. She, she was beautiful. I mean, just gorgeous. She had prepared herself. She was adorned for our wedding day. She, she had prepared herself to make herself beautiful for me. I mean, a brand new beautiful dress. She had gotten her hair done. She had her makeup done, her nails. I mean, she was just gorgeous. And that's what John describes the new Jerusalem like. He says the new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Who's doing this preparing of the new Jerusalem? Well, friends, this is what Jesus is preparing for us right now. Jesus is preparing the new heaven and the new earth. He's preparing the new Jerusalem. That's what Jesus is doing. What's he doing? He's working on our eternal home. John chapter 14, verses 2 through 3. Remember, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, for his people. One of the things he's preparing is the new Jerusalem. And friends, it's going to be incredible. We have some descriptions of it we're going to look at, but, but at the end of the day, we can't even fathom how incredible this is going to be. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, he tells us what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Friends, God is preparing our eternity the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, and we can't even imagine it. John goes on in his vision in Revelation 21 and 22 to give us some exciting details about the new Jerusalem that Jesus is preparing for us. In chapter 21, verse 11, we read that the new Jerusalem is going to be a radiant city full of the glory of God with the look of clear crystal. In verses 16 and 17, we read that it's in the shape of a cube, And its borders are roughly 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles high. Now, is this true? Yeah, I believe this is literally true. This is God's word. It's going to be this 1,400-mile wide, high, deep, cubic city. I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. But again, God's preparing it for us. It's going to be incredible. Verses 19 and 21 tell us that the walls of the city are adorned with all kinds of jewels and the gates of the city are made with large pearls. Verse 21 tells us that there's a single street that runs through the center of the city and it's made of gold so pure that it looks transparent. Verses 24 and 25 tell us that there's never any darkness in the New Jerusalem. There's no darkness, and there's no need for a sun or a moon there. Why? Because God himself provides light for the city. In chapter 22, verse 1, we read that there's a river of life that flows from the throne of God down the middle of the city. 
In verse 2 of chapter 22, we read that the tree of life is also present there. The same tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life is going to be there in the new Jerusalem, and it's going to have roots that are growing on both sides of this river that runs down through the middle of Jerusalem. Now, again, I, I kind of picture this. Have you ever seen like a banyan tree, you know, that has those branches and roots that are growing and shooting out all over? I can see this tree of life growing over the river of life that flows down the middle of the new Jerusalem. And it yields fruit each month, 12 different kinds of fruit. And its fruit and its leaves provide healing for the nations. The word healing there is the word in Greek. It's therapeutic. Therapeutic healing. Therapy. In other words, we're going to be free of sin. We're going to be free of death, sickness, disease. But it's the tree of life that's going to provide this ongoing therapy to allow us to experience this incredible reality for all of eternity. Chapter 21, verse 22, then tells us lastly and most significantly that there's not going to be any temple in this city. There's not going to be any temple there. Now, some of you might be thinking, Jerusalem without a temple? I mean, how can that be, right? Well, this leads me to point number three. Jesus says, behold, I'm making all things new. One of the things he's making new, he tells us, is that he's making a new experience of God for us. We're going to have a whole new experience of God. Why is there no temple in the new Jerusalem? Well, look what John tells us here in chapter 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Again, there's not going to be a spiritual heaven why? Because God is going to dwell amongst his people in the new heavens and the new earth. God's going to be in our midst, present with us. We read on in Revelation chapter 22, verses 3 through 4. We get some additional details about this from the Apostle John. He says, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, there in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Friends, we're going to be able to see God face to face. That's incredible. All throughout Scripture, we have stories where, where people ask God, you know, God, I want to see you. Give me a glimpse of you. And God says, no one can see me or they're going to die. He's so holy. But in the new heaven, and the new earth, in our glorified state, our glorified bodies, we are literally going to see God face to face. You know, some of you have little kids. If your kids are like mine, they ask lots of questions. I remember my kids, one of, my ki one of the questions my kids have asked me a couple times over the years, you know, Daddy, why can't we see God? You know, why can't we see God? Friends, understand, in the new heaven and new earth, no one is ever going to ask that question again because we're going to see God face to face. He's going to dwell amongst his people. The apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, 2 says that right now we see us through a glass dimly, but one day we will see him face to face. We read, for example, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul says today we walk by faith, but one day... We will walk by sight. We're going to see God face to face, friends. That's the greatest thing that we have to look forward to. Forget all the galaxies and planets. I mean, that's going to be sweet. But the greatest thing 
that we're going to experience in eternity is coming into the very presence of God and knowing him intimately, personally, worshiping him, seeing him face to face. Jesus says, behold, I'm making all things new. The fourth thing that Jesus tells us is going to be made new in this eternal experience that we have awaiting us, he says there's going to be a new order to creation. There's going to be a whole new order to creation. Chapter 21, verse 4 says that he is going to wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Friends, imagine that. No more tears, no more death, no more mourning, or crying, or pain. These are all going to be former things. They're going to be passed away. They're not going to be part of our experience anymore. My, my dad passed away 11 years ago this, this week, 61 years old. I, we still mourn. We miss him greatly. We don't understand why God took him so young. But you know what? One day that's going to make sense. We're going to know God's plan. We're going to understand and there's not going to be any mourning. There's not going to be any more crying. I know a lot of you here in this room have lost loved ones recently. And you've shed many tears over their loss. And you're still here mourning their loss today. And you know what? One day, all that is going to be a former thing. Death, crying, mourning. It's going to be in the past, never again to be experienced. Last night, I went and I played tennis with my daughter, Addie. Played tennis for an hour and a half. We had a blast, but you know what? Today, my knees are killing me, and my hips hurt, and my neck has this weird kink in it. I mean, I'm, I'm like walking wounded up here. But guess what? One day, pain is going to be no more. God promises, I am making all things new. No more crying, no more death, no more mourning, no more pain. These are all going to be former things. They're going to be judged forever at the great white throne judgment. People say, well, Jason, there's not going to be any crying in heaven. But, but what, about, what about all the people that we care about in this world who aren't going to be there? What about all those people who died without a relationship with Jesus, who, who were cast into the lake of fire for eternity? I mean, aren't we going to miss them? How, how am I not going to be sad over my loved ones who aren't there in heaven with me? Jesus says there's not going to be any crying or mourning or pain. How could that be? Well, friends, God promises us that he's going to wipe all those things away. They're former things. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, 17 and 18, we read this, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Isn't that incredible? God says you're not even going to remember any of the former things. All your experience in this present fallen world, all of your loved ones who died and were judged and end up spending eternity in hell, it's all former things. They're going to be remembered no more. They're not even going to come into mind. But Jesus says, be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. Friends, you're not going to remember the former things. You're only going to experience pure joy in the new heaven and the new earth in the presence of God. 
You know, when you study what God has promised for us about the end times and all that he has in store for us in eternity to come, it's no wonder that passages like Titus 2.13 refer to the return of Jesus as our blessed hope and his glorious appearing. When Jesus returns for his church at the rapture, it will signal the beginning of, this, of the end for this present fallen age. And it will mark the beginning of a wondrous eternity for all who've put their trust in him. Friends, you get excited when you think about these things? I hope so. You should. I mean, if this doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Dr. Joel Stahl, who was president of Cornerstone University for many years and the author of a number of books, he, he shares the story of visiting a friend, a friend of his named Ben Wood, who founded a ministry south of Milwaukee called Shepherd's Home. Today it's known as Shepherd's Ministry. It's a ministry that works with young children and young adolescents with developmental disabilities. Shepherd's Ministries began in 1967 as Shepherd's Home, a facility for children with mental disabilities. And today they actually even have a college, Shepherd's College, south of Milwaukee, an accredited university for, for young people with developmental disabilities. Dr. Stell tells about visiting his friend Ben Wood who founded this ministry in 1967. Ben Wood shared with Dr. Stell, he said, said to him one day, Joe, do you know what our biggest maintenance problem is here at Shepherd's Home? Dr. Stell replied, I have no idea. And Ben Wood said, our biggest maintenance problem here at Shepherd's Home is dirty windows. See, the kids here at our home every day press their faces and hands up against the windows looking to see if Jesus is coming back to take them to their eternal home where they will be restored and made new with no disabilities ever again. Dirty windows. Dirty windows are their biggest problem because they're longing for Jesus. They're longing for their eternal home. Friends, my prayer for us as we come to the end of this series on the end times is that we too might have houses filled with dirty windows. That we too might be looking with anxious expectation for the return of our Lord. Longing for our eternal home. Our world today is in desperate need of hope. Our world today is in desperate need of meaning and purpose. And all of that is found in Jesus Christ. I want to look at the end of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. In Revelation 22, 17, at the end of John's vision, we read, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Friends, if you're here this morning or maybe watching online and you're looking for meaning, you're looking for purpose, you're looking for hope, the Lord says, come. Come and drink from the fountain of life. Come and taste the rivers of living water. Come and experience true life and true wholeness and true abundance in a relationship with me. Jesus says, come. It's an invitation open to any of us. 
And then in the very last words of the book of Revelation, Revelation 22, verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Friends, Jesus says, I am coming soon. I believe his return could be very soon. Jesus is coming again. And friends, I need to ask you this morning, are you ready? Are you prepared to meet the Lord? And can you, like the Apostle John, declare with hope and confidence, amen, come Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these great promises you've given us about the eternity that awaits us and all that you're preparing for us. We look forward with great anticipation to that great day, Lord. I pray that every one of us, after studying your prophetic word over the last eight weeks, might join those kids at Shepherd's Home longing for the return of Jesus, eyes looking to the heavens, noses pressed up against the windows, wondering if today might be the day when you come to take your people home. Lord, we're so grateful for your amazing grace and the salvation that's offered in you, and we thank you for these precious promises that are in store for us. And we pray today, Lord, for our friends and family members who do not yet know you, Lord. We pray that your spirit might lead them to you and draw them to salvation. We pray right now for our friends here this morning or watching online who haven't yet put their trust in Jesus. You say, come, come and drink from the water of life. And if you're here this morning and you've never put your trust in Jesus, you can do that right here, right now. You can simply say a prayer right now in the quiet of your own heart. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've been living my life in rebellion against you. Today, Jesus, I want to accept the water of life. I want to accept the gift of your amazing grace. Please make me a new person today as I trust in you and ask you, Jesus, to come and live in my heart and take over as the Lord of my life. And Jesus says, come, and I will make you a new creation. And Lord, we thank you for the promises you've given us. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. Help us to live more faithfully, Lord, as a result of these promises. Help us to live more passionately as your people, more dedicated as your ambassadors in this world. And we echo the words of the Apostle John, amen, come, Lord Jesus. In your great name we pray. Amen. Friends, would you please stand for our benediction this morning? This comes from Jude, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you, friends. Hi, everybody. Pastor Jason here. And I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church. You can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free. And you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests. And we would love to pray for you. 
And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon.